Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Well, good day to you. This is Brad Zockel. You are listening to Questions About Heaven, and I really do appreciate you coming along and joining me. We're going into the book of Revelation once again. We've been going verse by verse, and so if you go back through our podcast, you will be able to start way back in Revelation chapter 1 and literally verse by verse. We walk through the scriptures. We have much to see here whenever we're reading the book of Revelation about the promises to the believer, the justice of God being answered from the prayers of the saints and the glory of Jesus Christ, the speaking of the Holy Spirit, uh, the wonders of angels and the countless things, the limitless things. I mean, when we looked at the scriptures, we've been talking about this when we're going through uh, the study in Revelation about heaven. Uh, This is what I was sharing with a class earlier we tend to say this, well, you know, I'm looking at eternity, especially when I'm looking through the book of Revelation, and I see that when we see eternity, we're talking about limitlessness, and uh, that would be, there's time is limitless, and that's pretty much it. Well, no, there's so many other things that are going to be beyond our comprehension in a wonder, in a positive way. Remember Psalm 1611, in your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy. This is not going to be scary, but right now it kind of stretches every bit of the human brain to try to grasp these things. But just rest in in this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 tells us that it is beyond the imagination of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So in that we rest in knowing what the Lord does will be good. And as Psalm 17, 15 says, we will see his likeness and we will be satisfied. We will be at rest, as it says in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 13. So what are some of these limitless things besides time? Well, you can't count the Christians. Right now, the human mind cannot comprehend the number of people through the ages and across the world that have come to Christ and will be rejoicing together in grand and great fellowship. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9, Paul, uh, John is looking in heaven, and he says it's beyond number. I can't begin to count the number of those. They're from different nations, people groups, languages. You can't begin to count the believers in heaven. It's beyond human comprehension. Neither can you, if you back up into Revelation chapter 5 verse 11, count the angels that are there. The best you can do in the Greek language is say 10,000 times 10,000. Now, one mathematician said, if I am going to take this literally, you are talking at the construction of the Greek math there, that it's over a billion angels. But we are going to freely say, this could very well just be saying, this is beyond account. It's limitless. Well, you can't limit the safety that we will enjoy in heaven. All the gates are open. They're never shut. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 25. Can you imagine this? Never having to worry about uh, being attacked, being assaulted, uh, being hurt. The safety here is just beyond the human imagination while we're here on earth. You can't limit the access to God. 
In Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, the newest Christians walking into heaven go over and they start asking the Lord questions, and he answers them. We will indeed see his face. Revelation chapter 22, 4. There's no limit on that. And we also see that you can't limit the grace that is bestowed upon us. Revelation 22, 21, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ is upon us all. Wonderful. But now we come to something much more sobering. We're in Revelation chapter 16, because there are those in Romans chapter 1, it tells us, that will see the truth, probably even read or even hear this podcast, and reject what they hear. Romans chapter 1 says, God's divine nature is made clear to everybody, so no one has an excuse. But it goes on to tell you, well, what happens? They reject what they hear. They do not care about it. Let me read this passage, and let's take within the time that we have on this podcast and start delving through this very, very sobering chapter. We have heard so many times, if God was just, why doesn't he straighten out things? Why doesn't he go after evil? And indeed, my friends, he does here. I'm going to start reading. I'll read about halfway through the chapter of Revelation chapter 16. This is what would be known as the seven bowls of God's wrath. They're kind of like a a saucer. And when these things are tipped, the, the contents come out quickly. This is not poured out in a slow, methodical way. This is a quick, destructive uh, uh, entry into the scene here. I'm going to start reading verse 1. Then, John writing, Then I heard a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, Go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. The first angel went and poured out his bowl on the land, and ugly, festering sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and worshipped its image. The second angel poured out his bowl on the sea, and it turned into blood like that of a dead person, and every living thing in the sea died. The third angel poured out his bowl on the rivers and springs of water, and they became blood. Then I heard the angel in charge of the waters say, You are just in these judgments, O Holy One, you who are and who were, for they have shed the blood of your holy people and your prophets, and you have given them blood to drink as they deserve. And I heard the altar respond, Yes, Lord God Almighty, true and just are your judgments. The fourth angel poured out his bowl on the sun, and the sun was allowed to scorch people with fire. They were seared by the intense heat, and they cursed the name of God who had control of these plagues, but they refused to repent and glorify him. Well, you have a lot here that we're we're talking about, and so let me start in verse 8. And when I'm looking at this, we see this uh, the, the, the very, very important word here. And when we look at the word repent, I would tell my students, repent, if you put it in a mathematical term, it would be a 180 degree turn. I was heading south. I'm now heading north. I was going to break a window. I decided I will not do that. It is a turn opposite. So what the Lord is saying, the direction that you're heading, 
It's a simple change. Do not do it anymore. And these people in the midst of this would continue to do what they're doing. I remember whenever I was a youth pastor, oh, this is going to be about two and a half decades back. We had finished an outing and we stopped at a restaurant and we all had a meal, uh, a sit-down restaurant. We all had a wonderful time. And some of the students, 16, 17-year-olds, were filtering out into the parking lot to head over to our bus to take us back to the church in this evening. Well, as I was going to make the payment for my meal and my wife's, I looked through the, the large uh, pane of wind, the window glass uh, that was out there, and I saw one of our girls who was just this fidgety type of girl that would always have a, a, a quirky way of wanting to get into everybody's business and do things. And so um, I'll call her Lisa. That's another name. And she was out there, and I could see people in the restaurant looking out, and there was a, a, a disturbance. And when I looked out there, this girl, Lisa, was going over to a car that was not hers and slamming down the trunk. She does not know this uh, this car. She does not know the people of this car. She is nowhere near. The, the bus is oh, three rows away. And people are noticing this, that the door, the, the trunk keeps popping open and she keeps slamming it down. Keeps popping open and Lisa keeps slamming it down. And it pops open. And I can see people all at their tables pointing at this girl that's doing this. There are other girls around talking with her and she would talk with them turn around and slam it down. This is just the girl's personality. Well, when I went out there and I said, Lisa, take your hands off that car. Well, the, the, it won't lock. I said, that's not your property. You don't have to touch other people's property. If it does, I can walk back in and find out who it is. Slamming it down. I said, Lisa, listen to me. You need to stop doing that. That's not your property. She would look at me, look straight at me, and she was not a defiant girl, but she could not stop. She had to slam this uh, trunk down. Should slam it down. I said, take your hands off the car. And as I looked, I went over, and what I saw was the reason there was such a fuss in the restaurant was a gentleman had stood up, and he had a remote key that popped open the hood. And they're all laughing in there at her. When she would close it, he would pop it back open, and she would close it again. Now, I'm going to say right now, she had been doing this probably 50 times. I don't think I'm exaggerating. At least 50 times. Every seven seconds, eight seconds, she's slamming it down. He's popping it open. People are just starting. It's getting to a point where they're starting to roar. She's doing it so many times. And before I lost my temper, I said, take a look, turn around, and look through the window. Look what's going on. She looks, and she sees the man hitting the remote and popping it back open. Knowing this, that she's being made a fool of, and now in front of 25, 30 patrons, she cannot stop slamming this down. She is looking there. She's embarrassed, but she will not stop, cease the, the slamming down of the hood. And they're all laughing. And I said, girls, escort her to the bus. She cannot help herself. Now, I've given you this whole illustration, and you're more than welcome to use it in your Bible studies, because here's the thing. These people are being humbled. They're being humiliated. They're under God's justice. They're in pain they will not stop their ways. They're going to continue on. That's one of the points here in Revelation chapter 16. Oh, the judgments are severe, but what's one of the main points we're looking at? We're looking at the fact that the people will say, I am still in charge of my domain. I will do what I want to do. Now, you're looking back here, and John is writing in 16, 
he's continuing on from the previous chapter you saw. How many angels are there? There are seven angels. Do they have something? Yes, they have, they have a, uh, the, the access to plagues. These are the seven last plagues. This will complete God's judgment. They have been in series of sevens, and they're moving on through. There have been seven seals. There have been seven trumpet judgments, and now there are seven bowl judgments, saucer judgments. Now, these ones that have taken the beast of the Antichrist are undergoing this. Those who, as we saw, that would not take the mark of the beast are under the protection of God. Now, we look in Revelation chapter 6 and we see martyrdom starting to occur. No doubt martyrdom is continuing through this seven-year time, which in the Greek is known as the Philipsis. This is when the great pressure, it's known as the great tribulation in the English, but it is a pressure time. It's going there. And what has happened is this wrath by God has stored up more and more, and now he is going to enact this through the agents of his angels. This is a loud voice coming from the temple. Now, this word for temple is talking about the very sacred uh, place of God. In Isaiah chapter uh, 6, you see God in his temple on the throne is a shockingly stark uh, picture to Isaiah, realizing God's holiness, surrounded by seraphim, calling out his holiness. And Isaiah says, I'm going to die. This is so holy, this temple place. And of course, we see that God's grace is bestowed upon Isaiah, and I don't want to get carried away over there. But we're seeing this. This is the inner sanctuary. And during this, this voice coming out, we've already seen that the holiness of the God in Revelation of God in Revelation chapter 15 was such that the Shekinah glory, the God presence glory in verse 8, the, the temple is filled with this smoke, the glory of God here, and no one was able to even go into the temple. And it says in verse 8, until the seven plagues of the seven angels are complete. This is going on. So this is God himself calling this judgment. And you know when God the judge is saying that my wrath is going to be only settled whenever justice is done, you know this is going to be thorough. Now, when we look at this, he is talking to the seven angels. Seven, as we know in numerology, is the number of completeness. And then we also have three sets of seven, three judgments. Three is also the number of completeness. So, the judgment of God will be complete after all of these. These are the seven angels here, and he says this, you are to go, all of you, this is a command to them, and pour it out. When we see that these are finishing up all of this, we also think about this. We think uh, through the scriptures, the call from Job, God, when will you do right. Why do bad things have to happen to me? Habakkuk. Habakkuk says, I'm going to sit here and wait until I get an answer. Why do good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people? And think about it. When we see all through the scriptures, Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 25, for example, pour out your fury on those rebellious 
those Gentiles who do not know you, says Jeremiah chapter 10 and verse 25, and on those, the families who do not call upon your name, they have been devouring, consuming, and you they have made your dwelling place desolate. Would you pour out your judgment on them? And we see that all through this, the promises from even Daniel chapter 9, that God is going to have his judgment down here. He is going to make this. This is what's happening in this chapter. These are bowls that are coming out. They are showing those against what is happening here. Those who are worshiping the world system. (coughs) Excuse me. They, it says in Revelation chapter 14, he will also drink of the wine of the wrath of God. And the mixture for making wine, if you know, if you've done any study of oinos in the, uh, in the Koine Greek, it's called oinos, is so many people try to compare the wine of today with the wine of them. And no, it's just a very simple study. You'll see that it's fermented uh, grapes mixed with water. And you'll see from the ancients, the writing of those philosophers in the day, for example, would tell you the dilution shows the responsibility of the drinker. And we do know, uh, for example, the average dilution rate of water to wine to fermented uh, grapes uh, was about four to one, about four to one uh, in there. And so those that would make it less as three to one, make it stronger, two to one to one. One of the philosophers say anybody that goes one-to-one in mixing water with fermented grape juice, they are they don't ever vote them into office. They're irresponsible. But now the drunkard is somebody who drinks it undiluted. Well, that word picture is put here. He will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. What a, this, this is absolutely amazing when we see this explanation here. This is on the earth. They're to pour it out on the earth. This is going to happen when the Bible tells us that this is going to be upon those that are on the earth who love the earth system, the cosmos. What does it say in verse 2? When this is first coming out, there is going to be a foul and one translation says a loathsome sore. It's an ulcerated sore, like, well, I guess you would say an abscess that's going to come out. When it talks here, that that term for foul means harmful. And uh, you're seeing this word, poneron, is the word which one translation says loathsome, and this means painful, very, very serious. So this is going to be a painful abscess when this. And so we see during the course here, when those who said, I want to save my skin, I want to have the best of my flesh, are now going to find out that just the opposite. Because when they went to take care of the needs of their fleshly body, they're now going to pay from God that who is going to go after the flesh itself. We see this. We've seen through the scripture. If you might remember this, uh, in, in Exodus chapter 9, we see that in Egypt, these types of abscesses were coming upon the people as well. They will be there and they will continue on. They came where? Verse 2. Upon the men who had the mark of the beast and those who worshipped his image. 
They not only want the words of the beast, they wanted the personality of the Antichrist. They wanted to go as much against Jesus as they could. They worshipped even an image, even a statue, even uh, the icon of this beast. All right, so when we see this, they are saying this. They are wearing his image, they are worshipping his image, and there their allegiance is made complete. And God says, it's no, it, there, there is no equivocation here. You have stepped across the line and you will receive the punishment here. So what happens here when we see this judgment coming on here? We are seeing that these ones, first of all, are making an image in defiance of Exodus chapter 20 and verse 4. You will not make for yourself a carved image. You will not bow down or serve them. You will only, the second commandment as we see, you are not going to serve a, an idol. And they do, and this is part of the judgment that comes upon them. I'm going to save the next part as we continue through in the detail. So I would rather go thoroughly than quickly. So I'll finish this for right now. I want to thank you all uh, for this time. This is a very sobering... What do we do with this stuff? We warn others. As it tells us in the Bible, knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. May we share these things. And if you want to share this podcast with others and they say, well, what's really going to happen? Or as I used to hear, somebody would say, well, I don't mind. I'll be in hell and I'll enjoy you know, my time uh, there. I don't need God. And if there is a God, then I will enjoy being away from him. And maybe they just don't understand. I remember in sharing the book of Revelation with uh, one who was a Satan worshiper. This is years back, a young man. And I said, well, let's read through the book of Revelation and see the end result if you're actually going to follow Satan and uh, his teachings. And the very next day, this young man called me and said, I had no idea. I had no idea. And I'm happy to say that he came to Christ when he's, he, he just said, I had no idea this was the end. And uh, I also add a postscript to this. That young man died in an accident. I do know he's in heaven that this day. But it was something else when he realized what would be the end result of following satanic forces and rejecting the Savior. I hope if you're listening to this, you will begin to get an idea that God is a God of justice. Well, I want to thank you for this time we've had. This is Brad Zockel as we talk about Revelation in our podcast called Questions About Heaven. Thank you so much for the time that we've had. If you'd like to uh, uh, ask me a question, please write me, brad at theheaventour.org, brad at theheaventour.org. Take care, God bless you, and Lord willing, we'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N dot org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.